remain standing, let me pray for us. Our Father, we thank you for the reminder of how awesome, how majestic, how almighty you are, that you are uh, the God above all gods, the most high God. Uh, We thank you for reminding us of that in these uh, words that we've been singing. And we do stand in awe of you, but pray that that would then work itself out in our lives, that we would really believe that you can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, that you are so awesome. And so we pray now, please, that you would teach us these things and inspire us to your praise and glory. Amen. Amen. Please do sit down. Now let me encourage you, uh, if uh, you uh, will please, to take up a Bible and uh, to turn to the reading that Heather read for us just a little bit earlier. Uh, It's on page 1006, Mark chapter 4. And then also you might find it useful to uh, find the the handout that we've uh, had slotted in uh, the service order um, so that you can follow where we're going in the next few moments now. If you've not been here uh, before or for a while... Um, uh, We've been looking through Mark chapter 4 over these uh, last few weeks and um, looking at how the Word of God should transform us. Um, And um, today uh, we're looking at Mark chapter 4, verses 26 uh, to 34. Um, Vijay Menon is a gifted and enthusiastic Christian evangelist. Some of you may know him. I know one or two in the congregation do. Uh, Vijay uh, is an Indian. He will tell you that he used to be a Hindu. Uh, but he's now a Christian. Um, He is one never to miss an opportunity to tell people about Jesus, and he tells the story of the time he arrived back in England after a trip abroad. He was passing through customs at Heathrow Airport, and he was stopped and asked, do you have anything to declare? To which Vijay replied, yes, dynamite. And as he said it, he whipped out his Bible with a big smile on his face. He said, the word of God, it's dynamite. Now, these days, with all the concern over terrorist attacks, he'd never get away with it. We'd never see Vijay again if he said that. But it makes the point, the point that we've been discovering over these past weeks, the Word of God is powerful, powerful to change and transform lives. It is so much more than just a book. See, we don't sit here on a Sunday listening to the Bible simply to gain information. This isn't a lecture. What we're doing now is about far more than informing our minds. It is that, but it should go much deeper. We, as we engage with the Bible, we engage with it in order to be transformed in our lives. Ultimately, to be moulded into people whose characters are changed to be more and more like the Lord Jesus. Many of us in this congregation will know how that has happened for us as we've read the Word of God, how it has taken root in our lives and changed us to be people that we ought to be. Now that's what we've been seeing over these last weeks and this morning as we turn to Mark chapter 4 verses 26 to 34 in two short parables Jesus teaches us the scope of the transforming power of the word of God. Jesus teaches us here that the word of God can achieve more and go further than we could possibly imagine in our wildest dreams. I wonder if you have any big dreams. You ever dream dreams? Maybe sort of You drift off when you're supposed to be working and you're dreaming a dream. Do you ever do that? I mean, really big dreams, great ambitions. Uh, Look, I've been uh, dreaming a big dream recently. It's about this great city of Sheffield. Sheffield, as some of you may know, is the fifth largest city in England with a population of half a million people. I look at this great city, do you as well, and sometimes I weep 
to see so many people living such godless lives. The decline in our, city is cl- in our society is clear in this great city. Uh, the crime, the degradation, the poverty, the moral decline. Just go down to the city centre on a Saturday night and see people shamelessly staggering out of the pubs and clubs, completely drunk. You know, I know that it's always gone on. Now people do it shamelessly. It's just what you do. And we are godless in, in other ways too. Um, in the more um, fortunate parts of the city. We're just as godless, but just in a different way, in materialism and in hedonism. Just look around forward. The desire to have more and more stuff. The desire for more pleasure apart from God. That defines the less socially challenged parts of the city, but it's just as godless, isn't it? See, this great city has all the problems of a large 21st century British city. But I have a big dream for this city. For, the Sheffield, for Sheffield to be transformed. Now let me assure you, this is not a party political comment in this party political conference season. This city will not be transformed through politics. Oh, we thank God for the wise political decisions that bring good to our nation, but let's be clear, this will not, uh, it's not politics that will transform a city. The city will only be changed through the radical transforming effect of the gospel on the lives of individuals, which in time, as more and more individuals are changed by the gospel, then affects a whole community and we trust the whole city. I've been told that for any movement to have an impact on a community, it must represent 10% of that community. Uh, Let me do the figures for you. For this city of half a million people to be influenced by Christians... We need then to see 50,000 people in Bible-believing churches all over the city. That's the dream I've been dreaming. 50,000 people in Bible-believing churches. What would that look like? It would look like this. 200 churches with 250 people or more in each church. That's my dream for Sheffield. It's the dream that will be shaping our vision setting Sunday in two weeks. Um, It's uh, down here on the term card, October the 11th. Uh, Don't miss it as we think about the great vision um, and how we can meet that vision. That's the dream. Question, is it a pipe dream? Is it a hopeless fantasy? Well, these two short parables of Jesus before us this morning tell us how that sort of dream will be realised and how that kind of transformation can come about. The first point, if you're following uh, the, uh, the handout, the kingdom of God grows through the word of God. The kingdom of God grows through the word of God. See, in these parables, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. Look at verse 26 of Mark 4. Jesus also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Now those words should sound very familiar to us if we've been here over these last few weeks. It sounds just like the beginning of the parable of the sower in the first part of Mark chapter 4. And you'll remember the parable of the sower is all about the word of God. And so as we read verse 26, we see that Jesus is telling us here that the kingdom of God grows through the sowing of the word of God. That's the crucial point to have lodged in our minds if we're going to remember and understand these two parables. The kingdom of God grows through the word of God being sown. See, Jesus says when when we sow the word of God, the kingdom grows. That's what happens. 
It grows regardless of our action. Look how he goes on in verse 27. Night and day, whether he, that is the person who sows the word, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. All by itself the soil produces corn, first the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Jesus is saying, look, look, picture the the, the person who goes and sows seed. Uh, They sow it, uh, they put it into the ground, uh, and they can't make it grow more by sort of sitting there and sort of willing it up, sort of sucking it up out of the ground. Whatever he does, if he goes to sleep or walks around, it grows. He's saying the same is true with the word of God. It's not down to us, we've got to sow it, but after that, God grows the word. And you see, God has promised to do that growing work. I think of uh, Isaiah chapter 55, I put the reference on the, um, on the uh, handout, there's no need to turn it up. Uh, these famous words, listen in to them. Isaiah 55 verse 10. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. See, there's the promise. God's word accomplishes the reason for which it was sent. It does not return empty. And we've seen that here in these last few years. I think of Christ Church Central. Six years ago, 50 people left here to start a new church in the city centre. Now over 250 people attend that church each week. At Christ Church Central over these last six weeks, do you know, at six years, do you know what they've been doing? Uh, sowing the word of God. That's it. You asked the, the, the chief pastor there, Tim Tim Davis. He'll tell you that's what they've been doing. Sowing the word, teaching the Bible from the front in small groups and one to one. And as the word of God is sown, God grows his kingdom. Well, that's why uh, the Gideons give Bibles to our, uh, to our children in, in our schools. That's why they put Bibles in hotel rooms. That's why they carry New Testaments around with them to give them to anyone they meet because they believe that as people read the word of God that people come into the kingdom of God. That's why we should encourage our friends to read the Bible when they show any interest in Christian things. Give them a Bible. That's why we make sure that at every guest event that we run here there's something of the Word of God presented. It's why the Bible is at the heart and centre of of everything we do here. At our services, in our small groups, at our one-to-one programme, at our student work, at our youth work, at our children's work, at our women's work, at our old people's work. As the Word of God is sown, the Kingdom of God is grown. That's what we read here. But this parable tells us that that growth takes time. Do you see verse 27, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. See, sowing the word is like sowing seeds. It takes time. Our six-year-old, Joshua, um, planted some little seeds in a pot uh, earlier this summer. He was so excited. And the next day he ran to see the pot and there was nothing there. And so he went away, and the next day he ran to see the pot, and there was nothing there. Just soil. And uh, he soon got fed up with all that, so he kind of forgot about it. And then, when I was doing the washing up one day, I just wanted to drop that in so you know I do do the washing up. When I was doing the washing up one day, uh, there it was, I saw a couple, of, uh, a couple of green shoots, and I shouted to Joshua, and he came with great excitement, and there it is. Look, isn't it fantastic? It's taken weeks to get that far. 
Week for weeks, we didn't see anything. Then there it is, popping its little head out. Great excitement. But it took time. And even now, it doesn't look very impressive, does it? <laughs> Don't tell my son that. <laughs> so in the Word of God is like that. It's one of the great frustrations of my job. I work my socks off preparing a sermon or a Bible study. That is a large part of what I do during the week. I preach my little heart out, or I lead the Bible study, or I read the Bible with somebody one-to-one, and at the end of the week, what do I have to show for it? I've sown, sown, sown the Word of God. And if you say to me, what have you done this week? I can't show you anything. It's not very impressive, is it? But that's the point of the parable. The Kingdom of God grows through the sowing of the Word of God. It does... When the word of God is sown, it will grow, but it's like seed. It takes time. There's delay. And I think that's the real challenge for us. Delay isn't tolerated in an instant culture. See, we live in an instant culture. From instant custard to instant credit, people won't wait for anything these days. Well, they want it now. Now, call me old-fashioned, but I was brought up to save, uh, to save for things before I brought them. Not today. You have to save for anything. You can have it now. It all began 30 years ago, actually, this, with the old credit card slogan. Do you remember it, Access? Take the waiting out of wanting. Do you remember that? Some of you do. Some of you aren't old enough to remember that. I remember it. Take the waiting out of wanting. And what began in the 70s is now thoroughly ingrained in our society, you see. You kind of hope that the current economic crisis will have taught us the danger of living off credit, but I doubt it. The point is this, we live in an instant culture. Delay is not tolerated, we want everything now. Uh, My girls, Susanna and Bethan, have discovered my CD collection. It's a bit embarrassing, really. Uh, They like listening to songs that I haven't played for years. And so the other day, uh, I heard Freddie Mercury blasting out of my music system, which I've not listened to for a long time, and he was singing this, I want it all, I want it all, I want it all, and I want it now. Good old Freddie. That's Freddie Mercury, not uh, the other Freddie. (laughs) See, we live in an instant culture and that impatience is then carried into the church. We want to see things now, but the kingdom of God doesn't grow instantly. It's like a seed being planted. There's delay. And so in delay, we must hold our nerve. The parable, you see, tells us that we cannot have the kingdom of God without the word of God. That's verse 26. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. That is how the kingdom of God grows, through the word of God. But because it takes time, the gospel worker and churches all the time are tempted to think that sowing the word, teaching and preaching the Bible is useless. They don't see instant results. So the temptation for the gospel worker and for a church is to turn to other things to bring instant results and visible results. Now when I was working in London, for a church in London, I was given the responsibility of looking after the lunchtime services. They they really weren't very impressive. There was 80 people at one service, there was under 20 at the other. And as I started this work, I preached my little head off. And after months of preaching the word, there was very little to show for it. And I remember a period at the end of every lunchtime service when I began to think, if we get the music better, we'll have more people here. If we buy in better sandwiches, maybe more people will come. If we change the seating arrangements, you know, put the chairs in a slightly different order, maybe then we'll get people to come. If we do our publicity better, and so I went through my mind. 
Now, of course, we have to think about the food and the music and the publicity and the layout of the building, but none of those things grow the kingdom. Jesus makes it clear here, the kingdom of God grows as we sow the seed of the word of God. And here is why it's so subtle. Other things do grow groups, but only the word of God grows the kingdom of God. So we will be tempted all the time to run things in such a way that we see more and more people come to our groups and think that then we've done the job. But listen again, people only come into the kingdom of God through the word of God preached. Let me tease out with you how I think this works. In the youth, in the youth work, we'll want to lay on better games to get more people in. With the student work, we'll think that jazzier music is the answer. At Friday Club, we'll think that providing we're loving and caring, that will bring in the old people. Now, don't mishear me. Better games for the youth, jazzier music for the students, more care for the elderly, that will all help to bring people into those groups, and that's all important. But we don't just want to grow groups, do we? We want to grow the kingdom of God, and it is sowing the word of God that grows the kingdom of God. The other things get people into our groups, but if we do not sow the word of God at those groups, people will not come into God's kingdom. And so what we're doing actually won't, in the long term, have any effect at all. Our task is to bring people into the kingdom of God. That is why I'm thrilled that the youth work always teaches the Bible. Yes, they have the games, but they always teach the Bible here. And the student work has the Bible at its heart. And I'm thrilled by the recent development to have a slightly longer Bible slot at the Friday Club. That's absolutely right. If we want to have the kingdom, we have to have the word. And we have to trust that the word does its work because it takes time. And that is why... As an aside before we move on, I think some churches are more excited about the exciting and ecstatic than about the word of God. Because when the word of God is preached, nothing seems to happen very much at first. But other things bring immediate results. See, we've got to believe this parable and then we'll keep our nerve. The kingdom of God is grown as the word of God is sown. Well, that's the first point. The kingdom grows through the word. The second parable... The kingdom grows beyond expectation. Look at verse 30. Again he said, Jesus said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like or, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground, yet when planted it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. See, here is where my dream to have 50,000 people in Bible-believing churches becomes a possibility. Here Jesus tells us how large the kingdom of God will grow as the word of God is sown. The mustard seed was the, the smallest seed known in first century Palestine. But although the seed is minuscule, I'm told it can grow to about three metres tall. It grows out of all proportion to the size of the, size of the seed. What an encouragement that is when we think about sowing the seed of the word of God because sowing the word of God does seem so small and so insignificant. The amount of times I go home after I've done my job and I look at these words on the page and I think, what was that all about? See, do we really think that just simply preaching and teaching the Bible could result in 200 Bible-believing churches with more than 250 people in each church? That's what Jesus says, verse 31. 
The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground, yet when planted it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. This tiny seed, the seed of the word, becomes a tree. Now the picture of the tree here is probably from Ezekiel chapter 17. Uh, I've put the reference again on the, on the handout. And in Ezekiel chapter, 20, uh, chapter 17, in verse 23, the birds who perch in the tree symbolise the Gentiles. All the, the non-Jewish nations of the world coming to know the God of Israel. If that is what Jesus is referring to here, then as Jesus tells this parable, he is speaking of the evangelisation of the entire world with the gospel. It's an amazing thought, isn't it? As Jesus told this parable, do you think that his disciples, his first disciples, would have believed that 2,000 years later, Christianity would become the largest faith community in the world? Do you think that they believed that the vast majority of all the world's people groups would be worshipping Jesus in almost all the languages of the world today? All Jesus was doing was walking around Palestine preaching. But that's what it brought Such phenomenal growth. And that growth continues today. Think of the explosive growth of Christianity in China during the persecution of the church under Chairman Mao. Or the astonishing growth of the church in sub-Saharan Africa despite decimation from famines, tribal warfare and uh, and corrupt governments. Last year I had the privilege of uh, meeting some leaders from all over the world uh, at a conference. I met Africans whose church growth is so rapid, they don't talk in terms of planting individual churches. That's happening all over their place. They talk about creating new dioceses. The word of God seems so small, so insignificant when it's sown. But when it is planted, it grows way beyond expectation. That's what Jesus is saying here. I want you to picture a 16-year-old schoolboy kneeling by his bed in 1937. He just heard one verse of the Bible explained. It is Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, where Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Can you picture the young man? He's just heard this Bible verse. He's now seated. He's now kneeling by his bed. The young man, John Stott. Having heard that verse, he knelt by his bed and committed his life to Jesus Christ. And in his own words, he says that at that moment, nothing dramatic appeared to happen. Just one verse sown in the heart of a 16-year-old. Who'd have believed that that was one of the most significant moments in the history of the British church in the 20th century? Who'd have believed that one verse sown would have had such an impact on the church in this land and indeed all over the world? It's unbelievable, isn't it? From the tiniest beginnings come great conclusions. See, the word of God brings about transformation. Now hundreds of us in this church know that. We've known it in our own lives. We've we've experienced that transforming work of the word of God. The word of God sown sees the kingdom of God grown. The word of God sown brings growth beyond our wildest dreams. The word of God sown can transform a city. This city, Sheffield, the fifth largest city in England, could become a stronghold in the kingdom of God. And this parable says that is no pipe dream. This parable says that kind of transformation is possible. See, Vijay Menon is right. It's dynamite. 
The word of God brings about transformation. Our job is to sow the word and not to lose our nerve. Because the kingdom of God is grown through the word of God. And so as we leave here, wherever we are, let's sow, 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 sow the word of God. And as we do, the kingdom of God will grow, 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 grow beyond our wildest dreams. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the transforming work of your word. We thank you that many of us, hundreds of us in this church, have experienced it personally. We know that uh, your word is uh, as alive today as it ever was. And so we pray that you'd help us to keep our nerve, to have confidence uh, in the, the task of sowing your word, knowing that then your kingdom will grow. We ask you to help us to make us faithful to do that in every opportunity that we have. And as we do it, would you be pleased to grow your kingdom, not only here in Forward, but across this city, to your praise and glory. Amen.